I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of your podcast and your author of the Thoughts on Money blog. Today, I'm going to be talking about an article I wrote called Turkey Time Temptations. I don't have Sean Latimer here today. He's not feeling the best. You know, those little coughs have been going around. But what is Turkey Time Temptations all about? I open the article and I say, stop, don't do it. What am I talking about? Well, everyone's going to go to Thanksgiving dinner. They're going to be surrounded by aunts and uncles and friends and family members they haven't seen in a long time. And the topic of conversation is going to be football and finances. I can't tell you how many times I talk to clients after Thanksgiving and say, hey, my second cousin's husband gave me this really great idea of this investment idea or gave me advice on how to pay less taxes. I'm okay with you having those conversations. My encouragement is that my worry is that the tryptophan won't only make you tired, but it also might make you make bad financial decisions. We don't want you to get in the habit of what we sometimes call ready, fire, aim. So I wanted to walk you through a process today. I outlined, what was it? How many steps? Let's see here. Eight step process. And I even mentioned the article, if eight steps sounds like a lot, it is supposed to be. When you're making big financial decisions, you need to slow down. We get this feeling of urgency sometimes and time is of the essence and I have to execute now. But if you're feeling that way without doing the proper planning, there's a good chance that there will be a high level of regret if things don't go the way you planned. And they often don't. And one of the things I mentioned that it is very difficult to unwind bad financial decisions. So let's go through that eight-step process and understand the importance of slowing down and the planning side revolved around making any decision. Now, I'm going to give one little kind of overview or or starting disclaimer, I I guess I would call it, is that this advice, it is going to apply not only to making a change in your portfolio, but it could also apply to making a change in your financial plan. Because some of the advice you'll get around the dinner table during the holidays will be about a, a particular investment, but sometimes the advice will just be a, a planning advice around, you know, like I said, a situation where you can get yourself in a, a better tax bracket or, or something of that nature. So again, I want you to listen to this with that idea of this could apply to my portfolio or any of my kind of financial planning decisions. So step number one, you got to define your objectives. Way too often, somebody comes to me with this idea that I'm going to do XYZ investment or I'm going to do ABC planning idea. And I say, hey, time out. Why are you going to do that? And they're saying like, oh, well, it just sounds like really cool or it seems like it's a great idea. What I want to draw people back to is what are your objectives? What is your goal? Because it has to be a great idea for you. And again, I mentioned this last week, but We call it personal finance because it's personal. So we always have to start with objectives in the mind. So if my objective is X, Y, Z, then I can make any planning decision or investment decision that is aligned with that particular objective. Next, after you've defined your objectives, I want you to take some time to analyze or assess your current situation. So I want you to look at Um, how you're currently invested, and where the gap is, what's broken. Um, Kind of that age-old saying, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Um, You want to focus on things where there's a gap or a misalignment to your objectives or a way you can improve. 
a lot of the time when we're looking at current portfolios or current financial plans, we're making small modifications of improvements with the thought and the belief that small modifications added up over time can make a big difference. For me, it it always helps to think about that analogy of like a, a large boat or a large ship. Like you could turn the steering wheel a very slight different angle. And if you drive long enough, uh, you end up in a very different destination. So again, we're just trying to make small improvements, but we first want to look at our current situation and see, hey, where are the cracks or where are there opportunities to actually improve? Next, I don't want you to do this in isolation. This step I call dialogue and feedback. Who is your advice giver? Who is the professional that you lean on that has an equal or greater understanding of your situation than you do that you can talk to about this, right? There is wisdom in the counsel of many. So again, maybe some of the people here that listen to podcasts are do-it-yourselfers. I'm not promoting that, but what I am saying is I don't think I would make big financial decisions in isolation. And if I was going to make a financial decision, I don't think I would choose a partner that is just agreeable. I would choose somebody that would ask difficult questions, and I'd want to find somebody that's more informed in the field than I am. So again, step one, define objectives. Step two, analyze and assess your current situation. Step three, dialogue and feedback. And then step four, what are the recommended modifications? So you've gone through and you've seen, hey, they're here's what my objective is. Here's where kind of the, the missing pieces are in my current portfolio. I've dialogued about this and kind of gone over it. Now I want to look at what recommendations would actually improve on what I'm doing right now. You will often hear me on this podcast and in the written call investments puzzle pieces. And the reason I do that is because in my mind, I just think about each investment in my portfolio being an individual puzzle piece. And when they're all synced together, it makes this greater picture, which is my financial plan. So you might be going through this dialogue and now visually seeing these missing puzzle pieces. And that's where these recommended modifications come into play. We've talked about it a lot, that kind of that COVID moment, that March of 2020, treasury rates came so low, 10-year treasury hovering somewhere around 50 basis points, a half a percent, that it changed how that puzzle piece would fit into my financial plan if I was adjusting my portfolio and and kind of walking into retirement. And it was a moment in time where there was an advocation for alternative type investments, where you didn't have to pile all your money into the stock market, but you could find other puzzle pieces. Maybe that was private real estate. Maybe it was private equity. Maybe it was private loans or something to, to remodify the portfolio. Now, that's not to say that the risk of those things is exactly the same as treasuries, because it's not. But it is an idea of why somebody had to go back to the drawing board and view their portfolio through a new lens based on the environment and where interest rates were. Next, you're going to come up with a new design. So imagine if you're an architect, like before anybody purchases any lumber or hammers any nails in, there's some sort of blueprint. And I really want to harp on this idea that the design should be in theory first. So I go, I look at a design. I'm doing this very regularly with clients where I've created a design. I'm in a meeting with them. I'm reviewing what that looks like and how that will improve or impact their particular situation. But I'm looking for that discussion to be collaborative. I want to go over with them. Hey, this is what you're currently doing. Here's how I think the new design solves for that. 
But here's also the other impacts of this new design. Here's the type of income this new design would generate if it's a portfolio. Or if it's a portfolio, this is the type of volatility somebody would expect. So I draw a hard line between design and implementation. And it's that blueprint analogy that I'm using because design is just to get everybody on the same page and to approve, yes, we like that, we're on the same page. When you go into the implementation phase, it's a lot more heavy lifting because then you have to take those actual blueprints and you have to see, hey, how does this impact somebody's tax situation? What is this person's liquidity needs? All these different questions. And then I, as a practitioner, have to go take that design and say, hey, how do I implement this in the most efficient manner? And if that's confusing to you, I can give you a little bit more color, right? If we're going to be purchasing you know, in the design, maybe there was one investment and maybe that investment's 10% of the portfolio and it's somewhat illiquid, meaning like if they wanted to sell that position, maybe they'd have to wait three months or six months or a year, or maybe the time commitment's longer. I want to place that investment inside an account where it would be appropriate to have that type of time horizon. Maybe in the design side, I looked at municipal bonds and I talked about municipal bonds being a huge benefit because of the tax treatment. Well, I need to place those in an account where somebody can actually yield that tax benefit. So again, you want to draw a hard line between design and implementation because design is looking at something at the macro level and then implementation, you have to look at the micro level. And for me, doing a pretty significant remodel at my house, I am feeling this or experiencing it right now. I remember in the design side, going through and picking all the faucets and fixtures and getting an idea of what the CAD drawing was looking like. But when they started the process, that's when they said, oh, there's something wrong with the subfloors. We have to fix this or X or Y or Z. It's that gap between the textbook and real life. And I think it's important for people to realize that because sometimes I see it flipped where people just start implementing where they never talked about a design or somebody gets so caught up in the design and then they realize it's actually a strategy that can't be implemented. Next part I said is you don't want to skip the step, and this is step seven, of reviewing. You just made some pretty big changes, pretty big changes in your financial plan or pretty big changes in your portfolio. Time out. You want to go back and look at those changes and make sure Everybody understands what was executed and everybody's on the same page. The worst thing that can happen in personal finance is surprises. Surprises make people very uncomfortable. Risk is measured by uncertainty. Uncertainty is defined by surprises. The reason we review is we say, hey, we went out to do X. Then we did that exactly. And this is what it looks like now. And this is the perfect time to go and reiterate what expectations are. Now that you have this new portfolio, now that you have this new tax planning that we're doing, this is what you should expect. Now, it's not going to be perfect, but I do think it's of the utmost importance that the advisor provide clarity and give as much scenario planning as they can to eliminate any surprises. I know you can't eliminate all surprises. But you can use pretty broad strokes to say, hey, a portfolio like this means if markets misbehave like they did in 2008, this is the type of impact it would have. Or, hey, with this tax planning idea, let me now tell you, we, we believe it's the best thing for you, but what would be some reasons we would regret making this decision? 
if regulations changed or folks weren't grandfathered into this new policy or something like that. You want to slow down and talk about, hey, what would make this decision regrettable? The last thing I put on here is that no financial plan is written in pen, always pencil. What does that mean? It means you can erase it. it. means you can change it. Why? Because life throws you curveballs. Step number eight is pivot. If needed, you need to pivot. If your objectives change, if your financial situation changes, if something in life is disrupted, the financial plan needs to be malleable. It needs to be clay. You need to be able to recraft it based on those changes in life. And that's why you always want to build some sort of like margin of safety into the financial plan. You can't go in just saying, hey, I want to maximize returns and hope life doesn't throw me any curveballs. There needs to be fire exits or safety nets or kind of ways you can easily shift. It's difficult because a lot of the investments you're, you're going to be purchasing in a portfolio have a long time horizon, right? We're thinking, hey, that for this investment to really bear the, the most fruit, it, it has a, you know, an expectation that you would stay invested for 10 years. Wow, 10 years is a long time. I think about my own life 10 years ago, how different it looked, right? And I encourage you to even stop in this moment and do the same thing. In 2012, what were you doing? What was your life look like? What what did your family look like? Where did you live? You can start to see that a lot changes in a decade. So now we're talking about building a portfolio with things that we're expected to hold or own for a decade. Yes, we need to understand that there needs to be pivot points and exits and and different ways that we could recraft the financial plan or the portfolio if that need arises. I was very intentional on using the word pivot because I see too many people making wholesale changes to their portfolio every 12 to 24 months. That is not the idea. If you're a basketball player or you're a fan of basketball like I am, you know what a pivot is. You can make a minor switch in direction, but if you get carried away, you get called travel and you give the ball up. So a pivot just means you can kind of turn or change direction slightly, but there's there's limited mobility there. So the reason I'm saying that is because I don't want you to go back to the drawing board every year and be influenced by something you heard at the Thanksgiving dinner table or something you read in a book you just bought or something that was the headline article in the Wall Street Journal. There needs to be a strategic layer or kind of current or momentum or direction of your financial plan. And, you know, on the fringes, you're making these adjustments and changes. So step eight is to be able to pivot. Now, as humorous as my intro to this article, which you'd have to go back and read if you wanted that humor, but it's real. These things are going to happen at the Thanksgiving dinner table. And guess what? If they don't happen then, then they're going to happen at the Christmas dinner table or the Hanukkah festival or the... New Year's party. At some point, you're going to see a family member you haven't seen in a long time, and you're going to be talking markets, and they're going to throw out some ideas. And some of those ideas, yeah, maybe they could work. But what my encouragement is, commit those ideas to this eight-step process, and don't be somebody who's ready, fire, aim. So that's the premise of the article. My encouragement, obviously, on a podcast, it's hard to kind of pencil down all these steps and kind of hear what it looks like. I organized in the article in a very easy fashion, numbered one through eight. You can look at that. It's not exhaustive, right? It's, it's just trying to give you a general idea or a general direction. I hope everybody listening to this podcast has a wonderful Thanksgiving. We'll ask that you rate the podcast five stars or preferred. All comments are welcome. Easy way to get hold of me is... Tom at thebonsagroup.com. Very easy email to remember, T-O-M at thebonsagroup.com. 
And I will be back next week, hopefully with a co-host here. Um, so it's more interesting than just listen to my voice. Uh, but we will be back with more of our thoughts on money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.